Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Trista Crick is the host of BetMGM Tonight. Joins us every single Tuesday on the show. She's here now. What it do, Trista? What to do? Are you feeling good about your Chiefs win that you basically were gifted by the refs? I feel so good. I never apologize for the wins. You know, and I'll say this. The, the Bengals never led for a single second in that game. My heart does not bleed for them today. I mean, that's fair. That's, that's one take. That is one take. And also, Joe Burrow had a chance to win it. He did not. Yeah, that was ba- that was bad. You know, I felt like that was something going on where you you could feel. And listen, maybe it was just my perspective because I had a couple of props that that I personally needed some more yardage on, so I was rooting for overtime. But there was a part of me that felt like the Bengals were fine with overtime too. Yeah, I I, I tell you, I don't remember exactly. Uh... You know, I, 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 I can't recall to memory exactly what happened, but I remember when the Chiefs punted. I was like, "Oh, this like they're not. This is it. This is what Joey B does. This is what That's Joe right. Burrow does." And Chris Jones ended it. Yeah, so it I was going to happen. I think that was, uh, I think that was the revelation, right? That uh, a couple things. One is, yeah, that Cincinnati offensive line was in fact as bad as we thought it was. And uh, and and Buffalo needs to make some moves if they fancy themselves as a as a contender and if they ever want to make the AFC Championship game or 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 more. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, you're right about Buffalo because I think that Von Miller was the key to that pass rush, and when he went down, their pass rush went from top ten, conservatively top ten, to I think twenty seventh at getting pressure on the quarterback. Chris Jones. And we talked to Alex Gold from uh, Kansas City early last week, and he said, listen, Chris Jones has never had a sack in the postseason in his career. So betting on him to have multiple sacks in this game is probably a good one. And there's going to need to be some other guys that get to Joe Burrow too. And so Spagnola's game plan I felt like was so good, and he left a lot of the, the tricks up his sleeve that he did not pull out when he when they played, you know, a few weeks back or whatever that was. <clears throat> and then, you know, it, it ended up being something where I think Joe Burrow expected – I mean, four sacks in the first half is tremendous. The fact that they even came into the second half and, and looked as good as they did was, was pretty impressive. Either team could have won. I just felt like some of the final calls, you know, the block in the back that wasn't called. I'm not going to get into the <clears> – <throat> 
the late hit because that's that's correct. That's a correct call. But you could have called that a late hit roughing the passer on Chris Jones against Joe with Joe Burrow too, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I'm just salty. I'm salty because I had Travis Kelsey props that were very close to hitting. I obviously came out, you know, positive for the day, but Jamar Chase, I think I needed five more yards from him. Over time, no matter the result, would have been much better. Which way, and maybe it changes, but are you leaning one way, Trista, when it comes to looking at this, this Super Bowl matchup right now? Are you leaning one way? Are you kind of wavering? What do you think of it? So, fly, Eagles, fly. You know, uh, that's my perspective. You guys know how I feel about Philadelphia as a whole. If you followed me at all in my career, me and Philly have a very long, passionate, back-and-forth relationship. So I'm I'm buying vintage Philadelphia tees. I'm going to do the Lord's work for Pat Mahomes. I'm going to make sure that Pat Mahomes gets, gets another Super Bowl, and that is by the outside of this radio hit. On my shows that I go on four hours a day, there is nothing but positive – affirmations for Philadelphia and the city and the players and Son Reddick, Jalen Hurts, all these guys, which are probably only, you know, there's only a couple guys on that team I really like. Lane Johnson was an absolute animal uh, with that, with the torn groin going out there as, as looking as good as he did. But so, yeah, I mean, I placed, truthfully, I did place a bet on Chiefs plus three. I bought the three as soon as it happened. I don't think that stays there. I'm probably going to double and circle the block on that as well. I think it was minus 130. But publicly, between you, me, and the lamppost, it's fly eagles fly into the Super Interesting. How much of a how much of a, a, a an impact or factor do you think Mahomes' re- wide receiver room and the uncertainty around them? How much do you think that matters in in the Super Bowl? I think it matters a lot. However, two weeks is a long time to get healthy, and so Kadarius Tony, I think he'll get right. It didn't look like the ankle injury that he, that he sustained on that looked like it was supposed to be a touchdown, but got called back. It didn't look like that was that serious compared to what Pat Mahomes is dealing with, right? Uh, but, yeah, I think anytime you have significant injuries to a wide receiver core, I think also more importantly is there were some injuries to the defense uh, on in the secondary, and you already got rookies back there. I think that's really the key piece for me. I think Pat Mahomes is, is special enough to get anybody the ball. I mean, he could get Miko Hardman the ball for 115 yards. No shade to Miko Hardman. But you saw what he did with MVS. And also, MVS, maybe you call it the system. Maybe you say, you know, he's just developed as a receiver. MVS was not that good in Green Bay. He was okay, but he wasn't 115 yards or, uh, in the playoffs in the championship game good. So I think Pat Mahomes is going to be able to elevate anybody. More so, I am concerned about the defense. If, for whatever reason, uh, maybe the run game gets stuffed early or whatever, but Jalen Hurts has got to make a you know a, a third and ten, third and eleven throw. I mean, it kind of goes to it. We always say at some point in these playoffs, it's going to come down to one or two throws. Do you trust him, Trista? I do. You saw him make some big throws against San Francisco. He just didn't have to. Right. I think what, and we talked about this last night. It is Jalen Hurts' shoulder. How big of a concern is it really? Right. And it's a concern for sure, but I think he's preserving his body for the moments where he actually needs to throw the ball a lot. And that could be in the Super Bowl, right? You don't want to be airing it out against the New York football giants when you're pummeling them to dust. Right. And then once Brock Purdy's UCL 
uh, gave out on him, and he now obviously needs Tommy John surgery. Once that became apparent that you've got Josh Johnson and then the ghost of Brock Purdy, who could only throw the ball five yards down the field, why would you ever throw the ball right. to, to any of your receivers? And you're averaging, what, like five yards per carry on the ground? Kenneth Gainwell was a man in that game. He was. He, he, was, he, he might have been better in that game pound for pound than Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders, I think, is a, a, a really, really good back. So why wouldn't you just use your running game as much as you can, and then if you need to make those throws, you make them? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, explain to uh, my partner here your uh, your theory, your dissertation here on the difference between a hooper and a basketball player. Oh, did you like that? Did you like that video? I thought it was. I thought it was an interesting posit. I did. Yeah. And I was. I was. I so found myself here, thinking about like, okay, who would I put in each category around the league? You know what I mean? I think if you're, yeah, so we were talking about the Houston Rockets. That's how it started this conversation. And it's clear to me that the Houston Rockets have a bunch of AAU guys on it, right? Like, that's kind of what it feels like. Tremendous talent. Like, Kevin Porter Jr. is a pure hooper. He can give you buckets. But do you trust Kevin Porter Jr. to go out and run an offense Think about getting other guys involved, getting them to eat. Where are they at in terms of their their week, their mentality? Does Jabari Smith need the ball? I think I think Houston has more pure hoopers than basketball players on it. Like you could see, okay, Eric Gordon, he's been on you know playoff runs before. He's a veteran in this league. He's probably the OG on the team, and he's you would consider him, I think, a basketball player. Someone who obviously has skills. I'm not saying any of these guys who are basketball players don't have skills, but they can operate within the NBA and the business and the system that comes around with the NBA. I think the young guns on on the Houston Rockets, a lot of them are just hoopers who are who are out here wanting the ball. And some of the best stars in the league are pure hoopers. You know, Kevin Durant being one of them, right? He's a pure hooper, but he also can can do all the things that an NBA player, obviously, or a basketball player, can do. Thoughts. Uh, I'm, well, I'm curious on this then. How, how, what's OKC got? Are those a bunch of hoopers or are those a bunch of basketball players? I, I was listening to you. I know they they cover quite a bit, don't they, Trista? But I'm, but I'm curious in terms of breaking down that team because we were just talking about them earlier on this show and how it's past the point of scrappy. Like, they can go out and hand you an L this season if you don't watch out. But what are they, is that a bunch of hoopers or is that are those basketball players? So I think Jalen Williams, the reason that uh, Jalen with an E – Yep. Jalen, so I don't know if he's J-Dub or J-Will. I can't get that straight. The one from Santa Clara. Jalen Williams, I think he was drafted simply because he is a basketball player. He's a, he's a tremendous talent, but what he did at Santa Clara, small school, he can do all the little things you want done, right? I think he absolutely was, was taken early because he is a basketball player. Josh Giddy, basketball player. He's done that overseas. He's got court vision. He can hoop, but I think you see him as the connective tissue as a basketball player. I think Shea Gilgis Alexander has shades of both. He can, I mean, I he agree. is a pure hooper. I agree. He is a pure Definite hooper. Definitely hooper. Right? Like, he can, he can operate anywhere on any court with anyone. Uh, you know, obviously leading the league right now in drives, can get to the, get to the rim at levels, even jaws behind him in terms of uh, drives per game, which is sort of stunning. Wow. I, I have yet to see Chet Holmgren. I think he's probably shades of both. Toku, to me, is a hooper, 
he, he needs to develop more. I think he even gives me that same vibe as Alperen Shangun. if we're going to continue the, the Rockets comment, right? Can do a lot of things, but just has to get into the, the system and development of his skills and body at that level. I think Lou Dort is a basketball player. Oh, my God. Like, I love Lou Dort. He's been injured. But you, you think about a guy who was at Arizona State, gets, it goes undrafted and can carve out this niche for himself. I think you've got to put him in that. Kenrick Williams basketball player, Mike Muscala, I don't really know. Trey Mann, I think, has shades of both. I mean, this is a good team, guys. Yeah, they are. This is a really good team. We don't even know what Usman Jang is yet, and they went up, obviously, and, and uh, moved up in the draft to get him. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen Chet uh, Holmgren yet, and whoever they end up getting in this year's draft, they have a million draft picks. This team could be a contender anytime they choose. So anytime the, they choose. So it's just it's when scary. they decide. So yeah. let me ask you this. Like, is the implication that you're not going to win a championship if 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 your best player is a hooper? Oh, I don't know if that's true. I just think you. I think there's a max limit on how many pure hoopers on your team you can have without straight dysfunction taking place. Yeah, like 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 there, it, <laughs> almo- it it almost feels like it almost feels like there is a negative sort of connotation with hooper. You know, like. They're, they're like a hooper is missing something. Well, I think what we realize as professionals in our business too, and I think probably you could consider me in some ways if you want to take the analogy over into the radio or sports media business, I would consider myself a pure hooper in that way. All I want to do is cook. All I want to do is have time and fun with you guys and give opinions and uh, bet on games and have – I, the the business side of it, the self promotion side of it, the the things that go along with the business that turn really good players, really good media people into superstars. That's probably my weakest attribute. So there's things that that it's not a negative. It's just a, a growth development, and I think you can continue to be that and operate at a very high level in the NBA. I just don't think you can have five starting Hoopers on a team, right? Like, I don't think you could have five Kevin Porter Juniors on your team. I don't think you could have five Josh Christophers on your team. I just don't think that they're thinking about the game in a way that makes everyone better. They're thinking about how do we, how do we score the most points as humanly possible and stop? And that's a a very simplistic layer of the game. And I think there's more to the NBA than there is at lower levels. Well, I, I, I do think it's, it's a super fascinating, like I, I think what makes Ja so special is that he can toggle that. He can be both. Yes. You know what I mean? When necessary. I think he is an underrated basketball player. Most people probably perceive him to be a hooper, but I think he can, he can toggle that setting. Um, on the same token, I don't – do the Golden State Warriors have any hoopers? I mean, you want to say Kaminga? I mean, because he's young and he's not there yet. A pool would be a hooper to me. What about to you, Tristan? Yeah, I think pool is a hooper. Yeah, but he's got. He, he does. He he. I guess he. You I, see him jack that yeah, shot. No, and guess, Steph saying, "Give me the ball." Yeah, you know? I guess you're right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. But but he's the only like. Hoopers think. Hoopers at the end of a game think heat check. Mm-hmm. Basketball basketball players at the end of games think, "All right, what? How do we need to slow this tempo down?" What is the other team going to do next? How do we manage the clock? 
all of these things that you're not necessarily always thinking about right. because it's usually fought for you at lower levels. But now in the next level, I think you have to, and that's the decision-making quality, right? It's just a different, right. a different mindset for decision-making quality. And that's probably why I bang on Jordan Poole. Jaylen, he doesn't have that. Jalen Brown, Hooper, correct? Yeah, he is. Jalen yeah, Brown's a Hooper. Is. He's a Hooper. Yeah, he is. He is. Jason Tatum, Jason ugly. Tatum, basketball player, for sure, and a, and can be a hooper. That boy can, right. yeah. he can flat out, he can toggle that. That's what the Celtics, I think, want a lot of is is these guys that can toggle between Rob Williams, Rob Williams, Hooper, and he's now evolved, right? right. That was what they got him from Texas A and M. They they brought him in to be yep. this pure, raw, athletic instinctual like it's the instincts versus it has it, it's not like a knock it's just a different i think right. mentality let me ask let me throw up because I'm, I'm i'm curious to just go around the league like what's damian lillard so here's the thing that i think has happened with dame it's really fascinating and i think he goes through different periods in his career where he emphasizes one over the other when he came if you look at his rookie year and he came out of Weber State. He was more of a basketball player then than he is now. Mm-hmm. Because you see the, the fundamentals in terms of how he wanted to get guys involved, how he passed, what type of passes he used, what his reads looked like. Just, I think he was much more of, and maybe that was just a confidence thing, because obviously his confidence is through the roof now. Yep. And people said he was a score-first guard when he first got into the league, and so I think he was focused on passing a lot. But some of the things that Dame Willard did in his rookie year, I wish he did more of now. And I think possibly you could say he's much more of a hooper now. He can lead a team. He can take over. He can get guys involved. I think he can toggle between. But when you go on a team like Portland, and maybe this is how the guys on Houston feel. I don't think so, though, just based on – how they played at lower levels and how they play in critical times down the stretch to give a lot of leads away. So you could say, well, Dame went to the Blazers and they needed him to take over. They needed him to just go out there and ball. And so he took more of the responsibility on his shoulders. I don't think it's correlated to just one-on-one ISO scoring, but it certainly has, has some level of that to it. And you could say, okay, well, maybe that's Terry Stotts in his system. I think it's pr- a pretty complex discussion, play by player by player, right? Because you have a lot to think about when you are evaluating. Well, and team needs go into it, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Yep, exactly. Team a thousand percent. Trista, if you were the Grizzlies, real quick, because we've been talking about this one's been thrown around a lot. OG Ananobi, you know, obviously looks like he's gettable for some team that's willing to pay the price. If you were the Grizzlies, are you willing to pay more than other teams? Maybe the Knicks, I've seen reports that they're willing to offer multiple first rounders for him. If you're the Grizzlies, would you offer what you have to to go to get OG? Is it worth it? How would you approach that, that potential trade? Who, who is the player that you think you would have to give up to give, get him? Picks and Dylan. It, uh, and, and maybe some edge work, you know, a couple of more role players or something. But Dylan on expiring the picks and, you know, a, a couple of bodies. I I would definitely do that if I was the Grizzlies. I love Dylan. Obviously, I went to Oregon. I feel very positively about him. Sometimes he has some, some uh, bad decision-making in him. You know, he wants to go out oh, yeah. and do everything that he can for the team. Offensively, it can get rough. I don't know necessarily if you're going to get that – uh, same sort of decision-making from OG 
and he's defensively a monster. I think he'll become a top three defense in the league with OG and an OB. And that's no shade to Dylan Brooks. I just think OG can do more things for you. Um, and I think he's going to become a, more of a scorer as well. I, my, one of my good friends works with OG on his body, on so, sort of the things that he's doing in terms of elevating his play. I think, I think you automatically kind of become the team to beat in the West, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, more so than these edge work moves, like going and add a Beasley or something that you know the people are talking about a smaller. Oh, don't move. do that. Oh, gee, my, yeah, yeah, I, I, like I think that. it sh- it shifts a little bit. The, has, the only hesitation is just like the, the, that's the, what you're giving up. The culture know. is so good, you know, and yeah. they are, they already to your point, they already are a top three defense. So you know they they're yep. that right now. Um, I don't know. I guess it's it's sort of a discussion too. Like how much is Dylan a part of their DNA? You know, like just his attitude, right. that all, I got this guy, just the spit, the fire, all of that. How much of that has become so grizz now that you don't want to give it up? I, I, I'm kind of with you that OG can still fit. He can fit those things. Maybe it doesn't give you the same level of intensity, but that it's going to be more efficient. I think we know that about OG, you know? Yeah, and I'm curious. Uh, there's a lot to there that, too, because I think number one is how does Jaw feel about Dylan? And how does Josh feel about OG? Yeah. What does he think that's going to do for the team and elevate it? You always want to ask your star player their thoughts on it. And if it's somebody he feels like he, he must have because he's some sort of integral part of grit and grind or, or this, this culture that is what the Grizzlies are now, I think that's something to think of. Also, and, and this may sort of counter what I was saying about OG because I love OG on the Grizzlies and I think it's a great move, but I think you have to figure out whether the role that you would need OG in, he would particularly be happy in mm-hmm. because he's not happy with his role in in Toronto. They're not calling any plays for him. They yeah, don't see, that, run that, their offense. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because you would probably be asking him to be the fourth in the pecking order behind Ja, right. Bain, Jaron. You know, you're going to be, which is what they're asking Dylan to do. So you're saying it, that's that's his issue right now, right? Yeah, but I think also there's an issue with Fred Van Fleet and Siakam personally, like yeah. a personal issue. Yep. And that's that all stems back to when those two became friends in the G League. So they became a click. And no matter if you were to run off an offense with OG in mind or not, if those two guys have the basketball and they're thinking about one another and they are not thinking about you, then you're going to have some sort of, you're going to feel some sort of way about that. Uh, and so maybe a change of scenery and, and playing with a guy like jaw. I think jaw just has a different mentality than Fred. Um, he just wants to get his guys involved. Yeah. And that's why I think you could say as much as jaw is someone who has all the skill level in the world, and, and can do all the things that a Hooper can do, the best testament that I could say about Jaws is that he's a, a basketball player as well, and he can get make guys make winning plays. Absolutely. Tristan, great stuff, Love homie. this stuff. Thank you, Thanks Tristan. Thanks for the time, as always. Thanks. We, we got into it today. Into I like it, it. Man. It's what we do. It's what we do. Thanks. Thank you, Tristan. Talk soon. All right. Talk to you guys. Yep. Later. She is Tristan Crick. Joins us every single Tuesday here on the show. Uh, catch her on BetMGM tonight. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.